Hello everyone, I'm Bella. And I'm Olivia. And we're prevention educators for New Directions, the Domestic Violence Shelter and Rape Crisis Center of Knox County, Ohio. You're listening to our podcast, Table Talks. We hope that listening to this podcast gives you an inside look into the world of domestic violence. Throughout this series, you will hear from individuals from all walks of life, from preventionists and advocates to survivors themselves and many other allies. Thank you for joining us and enjoy the podcast. Due to the sensitive subject matter we will discuss in today's podcast, some listeners may find this content difficult to hear. We ask that you please take care of yourselves while listening to this podcast episode. In today's episode, we will be touching on the Lethality Assessment Program. Lethality in this context refers to the level of danger within a home. The level of lethality determines the likelihood a victim could be killed at the hands of their abuser. Again, we want to thank you all for tuning in today, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast. Today, our guest is Jackie from New Directions, and she's the assistant director and legal advocate. Would you mind introducing yourself and telling the people a little bit about you? Absolutely. I just want to thank you guys for having me here today. Um, Like Olivia said, I am the assistant director and legal advocate. As the assistant director, I am the supervisor for direct service staff. I also am in charge of collecting the stats at the end of the month and reporting that. Um, One of the programs that I collect stats for is our lethality assessment program. That's our LAP program. I can kind of go more into detail about that a little later. And then as far as my position as a legal advocate, I assist people in getting civil protection orders. Awesome. And then we also like to ask everybody, because we think the different answers are really interesting, um, why do you do this work? Like, what kind of got you into it? So, the reason I think I got into this work would probably be because I was an intern um, when I was in my last semester of undergraduate school, and as an intern here, I just really believed in the work that the people did. And I always told them that if they created a position working with survivors in shelter specifically, that I wanted them to call me. And um, five years later, now I'm on to doing different jobs. Mm-hmm. But um, that's kind of what brought me, I would say, into this field. Just realizing that I was passionate about this work mm-hmm. and I believed in the work that the people were doing. Why is legal advocacy an important service that is offered? So with domestic violence, there's different types of violence and specifically physical violence is usually the only one that, um, that can be charged. So our legal system, there's limitations on what type of domestic violence can be an actual crime. Mm -hmm. So where we see, um, our benefit and where I think my role as a legal advocate comes into play is when we're working with survivors that have been emotionally abused or psychologically abused, we're able to assist them in getting a civil protection order. So it's not through the municipal court, it's through our common police court. And there does not have to be a charge there. Um, These people can basically create their own case. And so we walk with them through that process. The other piece I would say is just being able to educate survivors on what our legal system is. None of us are attorneys, but 
because of our experience, we do know what that legal system looks like, especially in our county. So we are able to advocate. Um, we're, at, we're able to advocate for them better. Going off of that, I know you mentioned a little <clears throat> earlier the LAP program. Mm-hmm. Can you go into detail what that is and explain to our audience what that is? Yes, so the LAP program, it stands for our Lethality Assessment Program, and what that is, is um, our local, basically all of the law enforcement entities in Knox County perform this assessment if they are on scene at a domestic violence um, situation. So, if there is a domestic violence or if an officer suspects that there's domestic violence, they will administer this assessment. And based on the lethality and the scoring of it, the officer then connects them with an advocate. And so this is a pretty new program. I would say it's we're coming up on almost our second year of this. And it's pretty amazing because prior to this program, we weren't actually getting these calls. So what this program does is it connects survivors or victims of domestic violence right away to an advocate to let them know what their rights are. Um, And if there is a charge, we can go into further detail what a temporary protection order is and also let them know that the law director's office, victim advocate will then contact them the following day and let them know more of that process. To give you guys a little bit of a perspective of what our LAP stats looked like last year, we had a total of 186 LAP calls and of those, 128 were high danger. So what categorizes a high danger call? So what categorizes a high danger call is, so there's there's 11 questions. The first three questions that are Um, If any of those questions are answered yes, that's an automatic high danger assessment. Could you give me an example of one of those questions that if they answer yes to one of them, that's Mm -hmm. considered high danger? Yes. Yes, so if a person um, answers question one, which is, has he, she, or they ever used a weapon against you or threatened you with a weapon, so if a victim answers yes to that, that would automatically push them into the um, automatic high danger. Okay. So their lethality would be high. If they only answered that one on this assessment, we would be called if they choose to talk with us, obviously. So even if that's the only question that they answer yes to, that would still be a high danger call? That's correct. And we've even had officers that have done the assessment and the score was low, but the mm-hmm. officers still felt like there was something um, where the the person would have benefited from an advocate, so they still made that call, just so we were able to provide that support and give them our information for if they okay. wanted to further seek services. Got it. Can you touch <clears throat> on a little bit about on-call crisis support? Because I heard you talk about the support you provide as an advocate in situations like this, or just in general. Yeah, so I am one of the four advocates that are on our on-call rotation. What that can look like is one of the biggest pieces of our on-call is probably our LAP program. Mm -hmm. So like I said earlier, we receive the LAP call, then we can provide that emotional support, bring them into shelter, explain what that court process would look like. Uh, Aside from that, though, we also do receive calls from the our local hospital to respond to sexual assaults 
So we would provide advocacy to the person at the hospital, explaining the explaining the process to them, but also just providing that emotional support. And it's not uncommon that we also provide support to the families. Mm-hmm. And then as far as domestic violence in general, I mean, if somebody's needing shelter, it doesn't matter if it's in the middle of the night. If someone needs shelter, our crisis hotline is 24-7. So we are there to bring them in. And then just a quick question. Could a family member, because you had mentioned sometimes you provide support in the hospital setting to the family members of the survivor. Could a family member call the shelter and inquire about shelter on behalf of a survivor? Or would the survivor have to call themselves? So it's not uncommon that we have family members or friends calling for one of their family members or friend to inquire about shelter. Mm -hmm. The thing is, though, they have to have that person call us because our services are voluntary. We don't want people to feel like they have to come in our shelter or that they're being pushed into our shelter. It really is an environment where we want them to feel like this is their decision because oftentimes they are in a situation where they don't get to make many decisions. Mm -hmm. So we're pretty we're pretty stern on that as far as the the person wanting shelter or needing shelter has to call us so we can actually talk to them okay got it i think all of you advocates because we've talked to the youth advocate and then the shelter advocate as well something i think is really impressive is that you guys really put an emphasis on not being there to tell a survivor what they should do or shouldn't do but rather be there to help them make their own decisions and just kind of hold their hand and like educate them along the way and I just think that's something that's been so obvious through listening to all of you speak and I just think that that's really really cool work that you all do so thank you you're welcome Our last question we like to ask the advocates that we've spoken to is on self-care because we're big proponents on self-care as Mm -hmm. an organization. So with that being said, what are some things you do for self-care and do you have any tips for those listening? Self-care is something that is really important to me, especially given the work that I do. Mm -hmm. I, I truly believe that in order to be fully present for my clients and for the people that I serve, I really have to be in the right mindset and I have to be healthy. So yes, I'm human. Yes, I have issues and problems that come and go, but but it's important for me to just constantly be taking care of my mind and my body. And um, so with that, I do enjoy traveling when I'm able to. Obviously, I've been limited lately, <laughs> um, but also just being with family and friends Mm -hmm. and being with loved ones, taking time with my dogs, um, or with my husband. But I think just finding like the simplicity in life is where I turn just to find that self care because it's such heavy work that by the end of the day, I find beauty and calmness and just basic things. So I think that's what I try and do. That's awesome. That's great. Well, that's all that we have for you today. Um, But I think I can speak for both of us when we say thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and talk with us. Mm -hmm. We know you're very busy. Um, 
And thank you all for tuning in and listening, and look out for our next Table Talk. And we've even...